This morning, I want us to uh, continue what I talked about last week, where I talked about how God used a Pharisee named Gamaliel to protect and preserve the church. So if you have a copy of God's Word this morning, I want you to take some time to turn to Acts chapter 5. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 35. Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 35. A little bit of a context as you're turning there this morning, uh, that in this passage we find a high-ranking Pharisee, probably the highest-ranking Pharisee uh, of the time, is a man named Gamaliel, who mentored Saul, who later became Paul. Uh, he used Gamaliel to encourage the council to be careful in their response to Jesus. And in their response to Jesus, they were able actually to preserve and protect the church. So if you have a copy of God's Word and you're open to Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 35, it says this, When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee of the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. So if you want to look together, we're going to be focusing on verse 35, where Gamaliel tells them, tells the council to take care about what you're going to do with the apostles, because they had a tremendous amount of power. They could do anything they wanted with the apostles at this point. They had the law on their side. They had all the power on their side. They could have put the uh, council into prison, or they could have put the apostles into prison. They could have actually even had them killed. So, But I want us to understand before we get into the thick of it that the takeaway from last week's sermon, as well as the takeaway from this one, isn't that Christians should be like Gamaliel? Just put a period on it. That, that's our aim, to be like Gamaliel. That's not the point of what I want to communicate this morning. Our highest aim for life and for godliness is to be just like Jesus. And that's why in preparing uh, this message, I had serious kind of misgivings about how to present Gamaliel. I wanted to show how God used Gamaliel to protect and preserve the church, but I don't want us to come away or misunderstand and think that we can be pleasing to God regardless of whether we're followers of Jesus or not. Okay, So as we look at Gamaliel's role in Acts chapter 5, I want us to remember that Gamaliel, even though he was used by God to protect and preserve the church, I want us to understand that he clearly disagreed with the apostles. I want us to clearly understand that, that he rejected Jesus. And I want us also to remember that while his heart, if you read it in context, it seems as if it might be softening ever slowly toward the possibility of the truth of Christianity, we don't have any evidence here that he repented or gave his life to Jesus. So what I want us to take away this morning, what I want us to leave with, is that God achieves His Christ-glorifying ends in any way He chooses, or by any means that He chooses, even by using a Pharisee. That God used someone steeped in the Old Testament law of God who rejected the incarnate 
Word of God, Jesus, in order to preserve the church. God uses whoever He wants, whatever He wants, whenever He wants, and however He wants. He uses pestilence, He uses fire, He uses wind, rain, emperors, kings, priests, animals, those who acknowledge His reality and those who don't, you and me, to bring Him glory. In His sovereignty, in God's sovereignty, God used the limited knowledge that Gamaliel had of the full mystery of God to sway the council to be true to the intention of the Old Testament law, which was mercy and love for God. Gamaliel was granted the ability to be faithful to the intent of the Old Testament law when Satan attempted to twist the council and threaten the church. Now again, even though we see no direct evidence that Gamaliel ever had a conversion, we know that for a fact, A, that Gamaliel's knowledge of a powerful, merciful God was sh shaped his thinking about how to approach the apostles, and that B, the impact of Gamaliel, the, his impact that he had on Saul led to the benefit of the believers in the New Testament church. So Gamaliel, whether, whether he recognized Jesus or not, he has a huge impact on the church and he has a huge impact in the New Testament, even though he is mentioned probably twice in the entire New Testament, twice in the book of Acts. So Gamaliel was used by God despite the fact that he rejected Jesus, rather than Gamaliel willingly acting for the glory of Jesus on his own. So a very practical question for us this morning is, how is God going to use you? In what way, in what spirit is God going to use you? Are you going to be used in the same way that Gamaliel was? Or as someone purposefully seeking to bring honor and glory to Jesus? Now most of us in this room want to be used by God. You probably would not be here if you did not want to be used by God in some capacity. And we're certainly used by God in one way or another. But I'd rather much rather be used by God due to my faithfulness and not in spite of it. God often uses non-believers in Scripture to bring about His purpose. For example, He used the sailors who threw Jonah into the sea. He used Roman centurions. He used Herod. He used Judas. He used Pilate. And He used Pharaoh. So I don't want us to make the mistake this morning that being used by God for His purposes, is the same thing, like an equation or equality, as being pleasing or glorifying to God. This distinction between being used versus being pleasing and honoring and glorifying to God is important because we often ask God to use us. We want to be useful to God and be used by Him. And when we usually say things like that, God, I want you to use me, we say that with the understanding that we are being used by God because we want to be pleasing and glorifying to Him. But that's not the case throughout Scripture with other people. 
When we say we want to be used by God, we're also saying it with the attitude of God, I want to be pleasing and glorifying to you. But simply because God uses someone or uses something, it doesn't always mean that they are pleasing or glorifying to God. So when God uses Gamaliel, don't make the mistake that he's also pleasing to God or being uh, glorifying to God because he clearly rejects Jesus. He takes the side of the council but he still is used by God to to move the church forward and to preserve the church. For example, both Pilate and Pharaoh were used by God as tools in order to bring about God's glory in His people. But neither men were pleasing or God-glorifying to Jesus in their actions. If Pharaoh wanted to be used, not only be used, but be pleasing and and glorifying to God, repentance would have been necessary. A turning to God in faith, then finally letting the Israelites go. In that instance, he would have been both used as the one who let the Israelites go, and pleasing to God because he did that action in faithful repentance and love for God. On the other hand, to be used by God and God glorifying at the same time, I think a great example of that would be Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's a perfect example of someone who was used by God to further His purposes and was pleasing to God by her attitude and her life and her faithfulness. But the big question is, does Scripture make this claim anywhere? I think it does. While the Bible is full of using non-believers for His purposes, Hebrews is very clear on what action pleases the heart of God. If y'all have a copy of God's Word this morning, let's look at Hebrews 11.6. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I think it will also be on the screen this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. The writer of Hebrews says, and without faith it is what? Impossible. It doesn't say, and without faith you, you, you're going to have a difficulty or you're going to struggle with this or you know, you're really going to have to work at being pleasing to God. It doesn't say any of this at all. It says without faith. That's the qualifier for pleasing to God. Gamaliel did not have faith in Christ at all. He he clearly rejected, but was also used by God. So when we look at Hebrews 11.6, it says, and without faith, that's the qualifier, that's the entry for being pleasing to God. Without faith, it is not only difficult, but Scripture says it's impossible. Like you don't have a shot at this. That our plea being pleasing to God begins with faith. This is the thing, the initiating act that pleases the heart of God. And it says, and he he goes on to explain this in in verse 6, and without faith it's impossible to please Him. He gives a because for whoever would draw near to God, if you think you're a believer, if you think you have a relationship with Him, here's your qualification. You first have to believe that He exists in the first place. So if you're going to reject Jesus as deity, okay, you're going to also reject uh, having a relationship with Him and being therefore pleasing to Him. Gamaliel went 
a little bit close. He believed in Yahweh, but he didn't believe in the full revelation of God through Jesus Christ. And so it's and this is exactly what Hebrews is talking about. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In other words, the first step in gladdening our Father's heart is faith through Christ. That's our first step. We want to be pleasing if we want to 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 show our lives to be pleasing to Him. Our first step of obedience is placing faith and trust in Christ. The important thing isn't whether we are being used by God, because in some way God will use you somehow, because God is sovereign. It's whether we are seeking to be pleasing to Him, and whether we are seeking to give Him glory. When we seek to please God, when we seek to glorify God, God will use us as a natural result. But our, our first step isn't asking whether we're being using being used by God. There are really our first question should be whether we're being pleasing to God, whether we're glorifying God. Verse 35 again, it says, and, the, and He said to them, Men of Israel, this is where He started. This is how He addressed the council. Take care about what you will do with these men. Gamaliel, I think he was wise to remind the council of who they were before he went on this longer kind of speech that he gives them that we'll look at in the next couple of weeks. He begins by, by addressing them in a certain way, and that's men of Israel. The council, they were the council, council of Israel. By no means were they perfect. They had recently done some very sinful things and condemned the Son of God to death. But originally, originally this council, they were set to be the moral, religious, spiritual, ethical standard bearers of the people. The group that Israel could look to as an example of wisdom, as an example, living example of godliness. So Gamaliel wasn't necessarily reminding them of position, like earned position. What Gamaliel was reminding these men of was their calling. That they were called to be the counsel of Israel. Not just on a board, but to give counsel, to give wisdom, to be an example for godliness. It wasn't their title that caused them to pause their anger. It wasn't just a reminding of their position that caused these men to say, you know what, I, we really shouldn't pursue this. It was a reminding of their calling that paused their anger, that caused them to think about not only what I do, but who I am. Am I the type of person who takes out my aggression like this toward violence? Am, are we the type of people who act like this? And Gamaliel caused them to reflect and remember who they were at their core to protect and preserve the church. And friends, when we feel tempted, because we all do, you do, I do, everybody does, when we feel tempted to give in to our emotions or give in to our feelings as the council did, as they felt like doing, we need to remind ourselves not just of our position, not just of our, you know, maybe standing in the community or where who we are at work or whatever, things like that. We need to remind ourselves of our calling that we have in Jesus to be just like Him. 
And that's difficult to do. It's difficult for you to do. It's difficult for me to do. But God didn't call us to easy things. He called us to a difficult thing, a difficult task of being just like Him. It's our calling in Christ, not position, but our calling that turns us from carnality in our emotions to compassion, from rage to repentance, from hostility to humility. And I want us all to take some time. Just take take two or three seconds right now and let the Holy Spirit bring to mind, let Him speak to you right now, who is somebody or who are the people in your life that you have to remember your calling with this week? Maybe at work or maybe at home when you gather together for Thanksgiving. Who are the people that you're going to have to keep in mind your calling with to be just like Jesus with to those people? Who are those situations that you need to keep in that that you need to keep in mind? Who is it that reminds you daily that you need the grace of Jesus if you are going to maintain your witness? What situations and people in your life require not just a steady hand, not just an even kill temper, but a spirit filled Scripture-saturated Christian. Your calling, your calling, not just your position, but your calling goes way beyond your vocation. It goes all the way down to your core, down to your identity. Your vocation is what you do for money. But your calling is what you are. It's who you are. What you would do for God if you never earned a drop of accolade for doing it. That's your call. Your calling is that special thing that God has gifted you with where your talents and skills and your passion intersect with the greatest need of your community, of your work, your school, wherever you find yourself. Gamaliel reminded them of their calling not just their position, not only to be knowers of Scripture, as James would write, but doers as well. Notice verse 35 serves as kind of a a, a mediation between the apostles and the council. Both sides of this, the apostles and the council, believe they are 100% right. Neither side is going to budge. The apostles rightly believe they are correct about their stance about Jesus. And the council believes 100% that they are justified not only to be angry, but to have them killed. So you have two groups of people, 100% who believe they are 100% right. And Gamaliel steps out in the middle of this and has mediation or attempts to try this. Now make no mistake, I'm 100 and 10,000% on the apostle's side on this. Their position is my position. No, no if, ands, or buts. But for Gamaliel, he had to navigate between two different sides that were evidently trying to do what they thought was correct in the eyes of the Lord. And we are many times, many times in our lives at work, school, I don't care where you are, home, faced with similar situations. Maybe not life or death, like this situation was, but disagreements between believers or disagreements between people at work or disagreements between members of your own family. 
that you love, that you respect, who both have valid points but seem not to be seen eye to eye. When Gamaliel was placed in this very awkward situation, this very difficult situation, his response was not indifference. Gamaliel could have, because he was at this stage in his life, he could have opted out and said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with this. You two try to work it out. He could have been very flustered and flabbergasted and just left the room. But instead, Gamaliel responded with respect for both sides, both for the council and for the apostles. And notice this. He kindly asked, even though he didn't have to, Gamaliel kindly asked the apostles to lead the way. This was really, he didn't hash it out right there in front of everybody in public, and he didn't hash it out right there in front of everybody. He was respectful of both parties. He put the apostles out of the room, and he had a private conversation with the rest of the council that he led. We don't see Gamaliel having this disagreement in public again or reacting with harshness to either side. We don't see him given an uneven balance or a preference to either side. It seems, in fact, that Gamaliel disagreed with both sides here. He disagreed with the apostles on the basis of theology, and he disagreed with the council over their approach and their temperament and their reactiveness and their harshness. Therefore, verse 35, Gamaliel urges patience and he urges temperance. And again, now hear this different. Verse 35, and, when he, and he said to the men of Israel, take care, calm down, be very careful about your actions, what you're about to do. Because they knew, he knew they were about to take some seriously scary actions. Be careful what you're going to do with these men. As we'll see in the later weeks, Gamaliel advised the council to use discretion in their approach with the council. He cites examples of other movements, other messianic movements that rose up, of people who thought they were the Messiah but weren't, and it failed and it fizzled off. He makes it clear that if Jesus is just another fly-by-night wannabe Messiah, then the movement will fade without the presence of of Jesus, its leader. But he also gives this caution a little later that we'll read in Scripture that leads us to think his heart just might be softening to Christianity. It just might be softening. He says, you know, even though we, we never read he, con he converts over to Christianity, it just seems like there's a little bit of, of softness that's there in, how, in his response. He, Gamaliel tells the council that if this is from God, he's at least given that concession. If this is from God, if Jesus really is who he says he is, and if these men are evangelists of the true Son of God, then there is nothing you can do to stop it. In other words, if it's not true, it'll fade. If it is true, there's nothing you will be able to do to stop this movement. So your course of action, council, is very ill-advised either way. However, there is one thing we can do when we are faced with these type of situations. We can maintain our witness by allowing the Holy Spirit to control our witness. We can control our responses by being responsive to the Holy Spirit. 
when people, when organizations, when fellow believers, when non-believers, when churches, all of those things, when all of those different types of things disappoint us, and they will, over their actions or their responses, we always respond in one way or another. But we can choose the manner of our response. We can be people who default to prayer and a sound mind rather than to the attitude that mirrors the counsel. We can take Gamaliel's position rather than the one of the position of the Sadducees. But in conclusion, let's not miss the tragedy of this passage either. Even while Gamaliel was full of wisdom that we can even apply to our lives, even though he was highly influential and highly respected and did more to impact the man who would later pen the majority of the New Testament, the truth is Gamaliel missed Jesus here. He was full of wisdom, yet still rejected Jesus and sided with the council rather than the apostles. And it would be a shame, friends. Hear me. It would be a shame if we too were wise, if we were influential, if we were honorable, if we were respected in all the areas that we interact with on a weekly basis, yet miss Jesus this morning. As wonderful as those things that Gamaliel had was and are, they are, as Jeremiah says, filthy rags in the economy of heaven. Those good things that Gamaliel had, those good things that we have, are indicators of what is heavenly, but they aren't the ticket for admission into the kingdom. Jesus is. Gamaliel had the apostles right in front of him. And no doubt, he had seen Jesus right in front of him. No doubt. He heard the gospel clearly. He saw the gospel clearly. He even heard of the resurrection but did not place his mind's attention, his heart's affection, and life's trust and joy squarely upon the cross of Christ. This passage is both an encouragement to us and it's a warning. All of those ways God blessed Gamaliel were wonderful again. But without Jesus, friends, those gifts can become distractions at best and at worst idols and even false assurances that if I'm all of these good things, if I'm wise and honored and respected, then I must be good with God. That's a false assurance. And trust me, Satan doesn't care. You can have false assurance. Sure, I'll give you wisdom. Sure, I'll give you title. No problem. Just as long as you miss Jesus. My friend, do not miss Jesus this morning. Let's not mistake our gifts that we have for the gift that we have in Christ. Let's not make so much of our influence and wisdom and our ability to negotiate that we forget to be influenced 
by the master. Let's submit ourselves to be used willingly by God and instead of in spite of ourselves. Let's not only be used, but let's be glorifying and pleasing and honoring to Him in how we're being used as well. And the best way we can do that, the best way we can start is by giving our lives over to Him and submitting our lives to Him all over again if need be. Repenting of where we have come and fallen so short. We take the lead by submitting our gifts, submitting our talents, submitting our abilities and our titles and all of those things to Him to be used for His kingdom and His glory here at Southside, here in our homes, here at our workplaces, here in Shelbyville, here in Tennessee. You could go on and on and on. This morning, let's commit ourselves to the Lord as our team comes to lead us in a song of response. Let's commit ourselves to Lord, to the Lord, to knowing Him as Christ and knowing Him as Savior through joining either this local body or joining His kingdom for the first time. Let's be used by Jesus, but let's be used in a way that is pleasing and God-glorifying to Him as well. Let's pray. 